What can I wear on my head? Yeah, I was about to say you need. Can you, oh, I can mean, you get yourself a novel, a novelty hat? Oh, do rag. Don't say do rag. Should I wear my do rag? <laughs> I mean, the more important question is what could I possibly wear on my head to top that? Which is, I don't think I have any such thing. What is that? No, is that a don't. sheep? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's is a it giant sheep's. No, I bought this at an op shop 10 years ago. Wow. No, I haven't anything. Oh, come on. You must have a silly hat. Yes, yes. You're a courier lad. Welcome to Bicycle Fixation, the number one fixed bicycle (laughs) podcast in Australia. I'm Kyle and you're? Um, My name is Chad. We're here to speak spokes. (laughs) Spokes. Um, Wired and soldered or simply bladed? Who can tell? Oh, tell you what. We're going to talk gear ratios. We're going to talk pedal configurations. We're going to talk stems and head tubes. Internal hubs. Uh, Carbon frames So, um, what's our cold open this time? Um, How's your quarantine going? Yeah, it's going all right. What do you like? It's, what's your daily? Um, what's your daily um, routine now that you're in quarantine? What's your daily quarantine routine? Um, look, it's much the same as my pre-quarantine life. Uh, my housemate Stephen and I, shout out to Stephen. Shout out, Stephen. Prepped a little quarantine daily sketch that we're trying to stick to. Well, I'm, we're not doing a great job of it. Look, the biggest difference to my life is that we purchased a Nintendo Switch and now we have a four-hour Nintendo session each night before bed. Mm. Four hours. Um, that really yeah, breaks the definition of hours. before bed, doesn't it? <laughs> That's like saying I go to work before bed. Um, I mean, we sleep late and um, play a lot of Nintendo prior to that. Mm -hmm. And I haven't played Nintendo since uh, 1964, (laughs) the Nintendo 64, um, which I played a lot of in my pre and early teen years. GoldenEye. GoldenEye, Mario Kart mainly. Perfect That era. Never played Perfect Dart. It sounds like a bro game. Well, it was like the sequel to GoldenEye. It was the same engine, I think, um, but a completely oh, different story. Oh, no, never yeah. played that. Mm. Okay, good. Mm. Well, it sounds like you've got it covered. Are you eating? It's, I'm eating so well. I'm eating better than I've ever eaten before. I'm ha- eating too many. Too many. Doctor, can you eat too many vegetables? 
that's that's another ideological question because it depends, how much do you want to fart? I am farting. I mean, I think that your like level of farting is just in a direct proportion to how many vegetables you're eating. My brother told his first girlfriend that he never farted and she believed him. How long until like the real proved him wrong? I think months and months. What, he was just holding them in for that long? Yeah, but also had successfully convinced her that he was an anomaly of human biology and didn't fart. Is that what love is? Uh, could be. We're coming wait, in wait, for wait, the wait, first is, time Is love ever. his extraordinary effort here to not fart or her extraordinary effort to believe that he can't fart? Yeah, to suspend disbelief. Her suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. That could be love for sure. That's a candidate. Let's put that in our Word document for candidates for (laughs) true love. (laughs) Mm. Um, So this is episode five. I've certainly never tried to convince anybody of that. I wouldn't wouldn't have been able to maintain I think I tried to convince lovers of all sorts of inhuman things. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Somebody I was said to me recently, you're either a burper or a farter. And at first impression, that sounds to me like um, it's sort of a, it's a psychic um, question. It's like, oh, do I prefer to burp or fart? And which one do I focus more on? But obviously, everybody has to fart or bur- like, and burp. They're both separate physiological activities. But then I kind of remembered, and this is, you know, this is where your medical training really comes in handy, is that actually... It's a release the, of gas. The majority of farts are from swallowed air, not just exactly. gas. Not just gas that's produced in the intestine by bacteria that are, di- like, digesting food in there. No. So, yeah, so no. a, lot, a lot of your fart is swallowed air, so you could have burped that up. So maybe he was just burping a lot at that time when he wasn't, wasn't farting, is what I'm saying. M- maybe. No, it was a bald-faced lie. I know it was. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, as his younger sister, I know. He was farting. That he, that he was farting. I'm definitely not a burper. I don't want to describe myself as a farter. It's not how I want people to know me, but I'm not a burper. Okay, so you're not not a farter. Correct. <laughs> Which one are you? I'm, Who, if I'm not a burper. Choose. I'm yeah. very much a farter. I'm, I'm going to have to not even claim that as a double negative. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, there's um, just too many people out there who could call the lie on that. Um, yeah, I'm definitely more of a farter than I am a burper. Mm. Do you think that's yeah, uh, but- Do you think that's a, a, a an ethnic proclivity of ours? What the the Jews are farters. Yeah. Well, we're we'll very have to like look Jews into that. Are, uh, are focused on their guts in like hypochondriacal exactly. ways and like in just exactly. about eating all the time. Yeah, yeah. I guess that you could be burp as well, but I feel like farting is Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, burping does seem waspy, mm. like you've just smashed a few cans and you're just given a big old belch yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of your mates. <laughs> yeah. 
You didn't catch me burping. I'm circumcised. <laughs> <laughs> I had a butt mitzvah. I'm not going to burp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, burping's so dainty. Well, oh, oh, no. Ooh, I, don't, la la. I, <laughs> I don't think it is. It's... It's really out there. It's really showy. No, it's not muffled that, by the pant. Because you could do one of those straight hand things of the palm over the... Oh, oh, Ooh, oh oopsies. Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. One of those I, little silent burps that just go... <laughs> like that. <laughs> oh, no, that I was actually, a one. <laughs> I daintily hold my hand to my... I, like, stick out my butt and hold my hand to my, to my asshole when I... Oh, okay. Fart. So you fart like a wasp. As well, though. Mm. Yeah, like, ooh. Yeah, that's from your mum's <laughs> side. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, we call yeah, that my, an Adelaide my, fart. <laughs> my Anglo <laughs> nana, she was a burper, came from a long line of burpers. Long line of burpers. My bulba. That's, uh, that's right. When you got off the... Off the boat after the after the Second World War, they were asking, you know, do you burp or fart? I mean, they knew. That's why they were on the boat. Mm. And then after your name in parentheses, they just put an F. Then they give you a yeah. little badge, B or F. Oh, okay. Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. It's been like 80 years. Not when they got off the boat. Right. Well, I think you just declare it and then you're going to have to commit to it. We're going to give you, they gave Uh-oh. newly arrived. <laughs> yeah, B or F. All right, let's, <laughs> let's get to business. Um, All right. So, so we, are, we are remote for the yes. first time. This is episode number five of Love Mainland and it's the first episode that we've needed to heed isolation requirements so we're coming in live from two homes north melbourne and carlton mm, yep we're um we're broadcasting across town mm-hmm. but between north melbourne and carlton is only parkville really so and in places there's nothing between north melbourne and, Car- and carlton isn't there really yeah nah so nah oh uh, west melbourne at most of Queen Victoria markets. Listeners, write in, tell us who's wrong here. Either way oh, Queen Victoria Market. Either way I claim we're not covering a huge a huge expanse That's of a Melbourne. Good point. It's merely the University of Melbourne between us. Mm. Um but that's right. It's quarant- we're both in quarantine. Um mm-hmm. in different houses. So the mainland is divided. I guess we're all mm. our own islands, which has been the whole point the whole time. Has this been our point? That the, the mainland is a mise on a beam of islands, that we're all, there's no such thing as an island, and the yes. mainland is atomized in the first place. Yes. Um, this is episode five. We just watched the fifth episode of uh, Love Island UK season two, the one with Sophie Graden. Um And tonight we're going to talk about that episode a little bit, but we're also going to try and have a focus on Sa- on Sophie. You and I have both looked at a few different things. 
uh, from her life. We both found it very difficult to actually construct a sort of year by year chronology of her life. Or who would have thought? Well, the internet is so comprehensive these days and she's a very online personality. So I would have thought we could have done something. I would have thought there would be some interview there where she talked a lot about her childhood or whatever. But despite her hyper exposure, there's still not really any information about her growing up or anything like that. Yeah. She wasn't she wasn't that type of celebrity, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean she was a thinly applied celebrity. Even yeah. if not a thinly no- applied personality, but yeah. I mean, what, so what we were going to try and do was produce a sort of developmental history, the way that you or I would do it clinically. I'm sure we'd do it differently, but we both would produce that sort of thing where we see a patient and, um, mostly for our own reference, try and situate them within a developmental context from from mm. birth to the time at which they've come to see us. And I think a little a little but not so difficult item of jargon I want to introduce here is the presenting complaint. That's a thing mm. that doctors talk about. Do you guys have do you guys talk about the presenting complaint? Yeah, in psychology we call it the presenting problem. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah, we I mean sometimes called that in medicine as well. So it's the same thing, which is that Essentially you know, is, Go Yeah, ahead, is it yeah. is it the same? Is it in in my practice, it would sort of be like, why are you here? What has brought you to the clinic now? Yeah, I would say that. I would say that, uh, you know, um, why has this person presented to this place at this time? And this place mm. could be, you know, the emergency department or my private rooms or the police department or whatever, something like that. Police department. Yeah. <laughs> police station. See, it's different for me. Yeah. It's different for me because um, I don't see people in, in those sorts of emergency, forensic or mandated Yes, which I do. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it's a really it's a it's a really empowering question for the patient because then they need to put into words why they decided themselves to make the decision to call a shrink. Yes. Well, I'd have to say that in all instances, it's, it's an empowering um, question for the patient, even if it's mm. not a question that you pose directly to the patient. Because, yeah, I see patients in a mixture of compelled and voluntary <laughs> situations mm. and mm. Um, also situations that are in between, like seeing patients in remote Indigenous communities or seeing homeless patients on the street where they're not quite sure mm. if they want to see you, but you can make your case and... Um, talk to somebody about whether or not you're even sort of in a therapeutic relationship or not. Um, yeah. But And so it's always a collaboration working out what this so-called presenting complaint is. Um, yeah, but it's always useful to start from something. It doesn't have to stay that at all. Like that's not that doesn't remain the point of the interaction or the point of the ongoing relationship. No. But... You know, conversation, yeah. Even in a compelled situation, it's good to collaborate with the patient to work out that the only reason they're there is because the cop said they had to be there. It's good to just yeah. get that out of the way and, and make sure that we both we both agree on that. Okay, you're just here because yes. you're forced to be here. And then in what ways, you think about collaboratively, in what ways might it be helpful for you to have this opportunity to talk now? Yeah, exactly. Well, okay, that you're mm-hmm. here because they made you be here. Let me assure you. I'm not on their side. Yeah. So let's 
let's yeah. um let's try and work out what yeah. what this could actually be for you um exactly okay so because uh, so that's where you would start with a history you start with uh the presenting complaint and i guess for sophie it's completed suicide really so then we work yeah. backwards from there and we try and think okay why did this person commit suicide on this date um you know and in which in this context and that's what we've yeah. been trying to do I guess we never really do this with someone who has done the deed, but um, you can take it a step step back and say, well, if Sophie wasn't no longer with us, why are you wanting to do that right now? I guess that's the question. Yeah. That's as close to the question that we're asking is. Yeah, and with our usual caveat that this person is dead and is not accessible exactly. to us anyway, so... Everything is like highly speculative, but let's just start from that. It's it's a bit sort of, it's a bit fantastical, really, being like, oh, the presenting complaint is death. <laughs> what are we gonna? <laughs> let's try and work out why. When you you know, it's it's the place where we're starting because we think something interesting will come out of it. Before yeah. we do start, I want to. <laughs> you teased me for <laughs> wanting to do this before, but I want to say. <laughs> That, you know, we've been going six episodes now. It'd be really or oh, five episodes, five. five, five. It'd be really nice. Did you do one without me? Um, I've done a few without you, but uh, <laughs> I didn't record them. I do, I do them in the shower every morning. Actually, are we talking about farts? Ones. Uh, they're part of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we've got. You know, we've got listeners in a number of different countries. Remember, I, I tested you on this the other day. Who's our second? So, so sorry. Australia is our number one. That's, that makes sense. The United States, that's the number two for uh-huh. listeners. I guess that also makes sense. It's an Anglophone thing. Germany, number three. We've got listeners in Spain, more in Spain than in the United Kingdom. And yeah. this is a UK show. And then a solitary listener in Canada. I don't know why. That... It's a it's a UK television show and an Australian podcast. And we uh, about five days ago we had a handful of listeners in Spain. I, look, I don't want to shit on our own parade, but is that just the work of VPNs? Oh, it's possible. Don't, don't disappoint me like that. I know. I'm sorry. Well, I I know one of those listeners is Tillman. Shout out to uh, Tillman Arnold, a childhood friend. Oh, here, Senor Tillman. Who lives in Santander. He's an emergency doctor in a hospital that's completely overrun with coronavirus right now. Um, I hope you're doing okay, oh. buddy. We spoke this morning. Boy, um, oh boy. But he, we'd had listeners in Spain before he listened because, like I say, we only spoke this morning. Um, okay. But anyway, the point about okay. this is that I, w- I would like to appeal to our listeners to, re- try to review us on Apple Podcasts. Because <laughs> that that really that really gets the algorithm going. That really juices that shit up, and then they show us to everybody. And also, um, just recommend us just to one person who you think would like us. One other friend yeah. who watched Love Island with you, and um, and then let us know that you've done it. So DM us or comment on a post on our Instagram account, which is at love underscore mainland. And um, yeah, we'll, get on our Insta. Yeah, yeah, and get on the Insta. Say that you've recommended us to a friend, um, and we'll say thank you very much to you oh, on we, air on the next. We will podcast. respond to you. Yeah, I would love a bit of interaction 
fans from yeah. out there, yeah. some listeners. Otherwise, we're just um, shouting at each other. All right. So, should we start with Sophie? Yeah, Sam, you spent. You just told me before that you've spent some time uh, in the last little while doing some research, what you could find out about Sophie. Yeah, I was going to start with um, what I've written down as we've watched each episode. I've collected some information, sort of a case file on Sophie, like beginning at where she started talking, you know, when they, on the first episode, they all have their little uh, segment where they introduce themselves before they come into the house. Oh, yeah, digital marketing manager, et cetera. Et cetera, et cetera, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Sophie Groudon, 30 years old. This is at the time of entering the house, 32 at the time of death. 30 years old from Newcastle. Do you know I learned today that Newcastle is actually more properly referred to as Newcastle-upon-Tyne? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> As are many uh, cities in in the UK. Everything's upon Tyne. London no, upon, upon, <laughs> uh, uh, upon the river. London upon Thames. The river that f- flows through the village mm. slash city. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, my first experience with that was learning about Shakespeare when I was in primary school because he was from Stratford-upon-Avon. Mm. Mm, the Cosmetics The River company. Avon. Yes. <laughs> That's, um, he came, came from a lot of money. That's how he could write. Yeah. Um, send us money. Digital marketing manager and model. <laughs> That's the order she gave. Mm-hmm. She said, I'm from New... Can you do her voice? I'm from New. I can do Absolutely it. Absolutely not. Yeah, you can do it. She's got a real. Don't be a Cockney geezer. It's not a Cockney geezer. It's like got a real open, shut edge to it. She's like Newcastle, New, uh, Newcastle. <laughs> My name's Sophie. I'm 30 years old. Uh-huh. I'm from yes. Newcastle, digital marketing manager and model. No, it's wrong, but I'll I'll dial it in for next episode. But she's a digital marketing manager and model. That's what she said. I mean, what what you're trying to master is a Geordie accent. You know, it's very famous, the Geordie accent. Yes, but she's got got a really um, angular version of it. Maybe... It's it's softened. It's certainly not like a broad Novocastrian. Is that the term? It could be you're the one who's an expert in UK geography. <laughs> it's because I watched a lot of Escape to the Country. Anyway, um, yeah, it's 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 sort of been it's been prepped for the media. I reckon her accent. Right. Okay. Well, she said she's a typical Geordie girl, mm-hmm. and then she qualified that by saying, "I'm fun, I'm feisty, mm. and I'm flirty." Mm. Mm-hmm. I think all of that's been proven true. Oh, she's not been so feisty yet. Yep. Not yet. She said, I drink as much as I want. I do what I want. I remember. It's a that lot of That was pressure. interesting. Yeah. At that point, she'd been single six months. She said, I date the wrong type of guy, usually called fuckboys. <laughs> then she I said, mean, I like rugby oh. player types. And she mm-hmm. didn't name Danny Cipriani but you and I know about Danny. 
She meant I like Danny Cipriani. Yes, really. She's still hung up on Danny. We all know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then she goes, I wouldn't say I'm massively into the gym bunny type of guy. Oh, that's it. And then the rest is me talking about Freud's paper on negation. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, is this, how we, is this where we talk about negation? Yeah. I wouldn't say I'm massively into the gym bunny type of guy. Well, we can't say that she would say that, but we can't also not say that. Yeah. That's the point. Let's reread it as I wouldn't not say I'm massively into the gym bunny type of guy. Yeah. And that's proven uh that statement's proven incorrect the second Tom walks into the thing. He is absolutely yes. a gym bunny. Yeah. With the brain of a bunny. She said, I can't wait for the bollocks on the island, which I thought was a great turn of phrase because obviously bollocks are like shenanigans, but also are literally balls. Yes. I think one of the most endearing things about Sophie through the episodes that we've watched is how sincerely and earnestly she expresses how painfully horny she is. Yeah. (laughs) But... And I, I talked about this last week, I think, but when she meant to cup them in her hands and hold them close to her face, like she's really, anyway, she loves sex and that relates to a lot of the research that I did recently, um, but we'll get on to that. Anyway, go on with bollocks. Oh, good. Okay, I didn't realise you got some juicy research done like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, she said, I'm definitely looking for love. And she said, I know I'll be older than the rest. Um, okay. Then that's that's the end of her segment. Then we went to the that initial coupling selection ceremony. Yes, yes. And yeah, Tom was the first the out. Through that. Yeah, we talked yeah. through that. Tom was the first out. She stepped forward for him immediately. He said Love he fucked 200 egg. to 300 women is in his segment. Did he? Yeah. What? Yeah, that's what he said in his segment. I've fucked uh, 200 I, to not, 300 women. I'm not shocked by that number. Uh, I don't, I'm shocked by the statement. But it, it doesn't sort of match with who we've found Tom to be. He's quite I, I a sensitive the character, also, He seems yeah. like he's such a sensitive, um, seemingly hyper-monogamous character. Yeah, well, for Sophie... First of all, maybe not for everybody, but also maybe he is and like his statement is to hide his vulnerability or whatever. Yeah, he he's projecting as a player. So did he say that in his like intro blurb? Yes. Okay, good to know. Yeah, with like a nervous laugh. Um, and so and so and what Sophie said she liked about him was that he's gorgeous and she liked the Welsh accent. Fair. Then she stepped forward for Scott when he walked out as well. Yep. And But the thing is um, that since that, she hasn't shown any interest in Scott. There's been no – well, there's no. been the editors and the producers haven't favoured any representation of her having any interest in Scott. But it doesn't look no. like she's looked at him or anything. No. And she's also been – I think she's – behaving herself in a way that wants to show respect for Tom. Mm. She is respectful towards Tom for sure. Yeah. But interestingly, I think if we're trying to read into 
a type. She doesn't have one she physically. She likes Terry because, also. Yeah, so so Tom and Tom and Scott are totally different physically speaking, right? Well, Tom has a big coarse head and is pa- painted broad egg. shouldered and yes, yeah. he's got a painted egg head and he's broad shouldered and and like yoked. And Scott is kind of weedy and narrow shouldered with a handsome face, but he's a weasel of a man. He's yeah, like he's a, tall and sort of slender. But he's just got a shitty personality. He does. He's got this sort of hyped up geezer, no morals mm. player but, personality. But yeah, but not even that he couldn't even he couldn't even claim like amorality as a as a as like as a motivation or as a or as as like a defining feature of pers- of his personality he's just like a nothing man who stands for nothing yes yes he doesn't even stand for chaos or anything like that he's just like he's really a leaf on the breeze in like the worst most evil way yeah a leaf on the breeze that inevitably blows in the wrong direction every time yeah yeah, 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 but not in a spectacular way, <laughs> just in a shitty person no. way. Yeah, um, and then I've got here. I, th- I think he's the he's the most toxic on the show. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Even though I think that to people in his life, he might not be received as toxic, but I think he's like yeah. really fucked because he's just a perfect. He's just like that that empty subject that is completely co opted by the environment. He's just. Which means that he's just. Um, no, I don't want to sound. That's like, tough. Yeah, but you know, yeah, you do you agree with that? I like, do, and I think I. But I think he's dangerous material for women, uh, particularly the type of women on the show who did explicitly describe themselves. A number of them as as going for someone who's cocky, because I mean, this is where yeah. like unconscious. Self punishment comes in. Yeah, if we try and boil him down to some minimal attribute, then cockiness is definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's got cockiness. He's got cockiness. His women seem to like as that. like an aesthetic. Like his rhetorical style is being cocky, but he actually stands for nothing, and he would retreat from everything. There's yeah. not. He's not gonna. His cockiness also- isn't actually a form of courage. Put it that way. No, he's he's um, lacking in any courage, and in fact, terrified of his own emotions. Mm. I mean, he, like he said, he was like, never before on the on the outs in the outside world, away from the villa, have I ever shown interest in a in a broad. I would never do that. I would yes. never show weakness like that. As if showing interest in somebody is showing weakness. That's right. As opposed to to purely negging them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I think that says enough. Yeah. Okay, now I've got here that Sophie, because some listeners might not have, have have watched the the show at all. I know some people haven't. And the thing, I, I think we're going to have to rely on the oh, you've broken the up assumption that, that you a lot of people have broke up quite a bit there. Can you say that again? Starting from I think um, I I think we're going to have to assume that a number of our listeners won't haven't and won't watch the show. Yes, yeah, because so, let's be honest, it's painful. It is painful. But, I mean, some people have said to me, Love Island, but isn't that trash? And I said, yes, it's trash, as are we. 
<laughs> yes, and <laughs> it's the tr- it's the trash that represents us most accurately. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, mm-hmm. for people who've never cast eyes upon Sophie Graden, she looks like a slightly thicker, slightly deader Kira Knightley. Is that fair to Ooh. say? Um, yeah, it's sort of fair. I suppose she's thicker than a skeleton. Yeah, she's um, thicker than Kira. Yeah, like she doesn't have a skull head, but she's by no means. Oh no! You've cut out again. Thick. She's, by she's no a means slender, what? tall gal. Oh, can, she's by no means thick. She's not even slightly juicy, in your opinion. I, I, I mean, she's sort of juicy where it where it matters, where she's paid for it. But she's a <laughs> slender gal. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. She's a tall, slender gal. Is she tall? I guess Tom's huge, so it's hard to know. It looks like it. Yeah, okay. She's got legs for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's slender. All right. Yeah. Uh, but not as slender as Kira Knightley. And No one is. Yeah, and like I said, slightly deader. Okay, her, her last two pa- – <laughs> she said she's got a wild past and her last two partners since Danny Cipriani were women. So it was Danny, then it was a girl and a girl. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, okay, this is now we're into the research I was doing today. Born 25th of October 1985. Right. It's the year I was born. It's the year you were born, but it's a month mm-hmm. and 11 days. Oh, That's we, right. Should we leave that off? People know my date of birth. <laughs> my date of birth is my password for everything. <laughs> Nobody steal her um, bank card. All right, so that, <laughs> so I don't know why in presenting in producing my presenting complaint, but I've I went straight from that date because that was one of the only things we could find from the very earliest time in her life was the actual date of birth, yeah. and yeah. Um, sort of uh, calculated as best as I could her her natal chart, like her astrology thing. Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, I too- love this. Okay, okay, doctor. What else is there? <laughs> well, I don't have any. I don't have any information about her early milestones or anything. So all I can work out <laughs> is that her sun is in Scorpio, her moon is in Pisces. <laughs> okay, I'm writing this down because it's gibberish to me. I will be honest. Okay, so her sun is in what? Scorpio. She's yeah. a Scorpio. Okay, that's her main. That means something to people. I know that. I know that. Yes, apparently know. this does all mean something to people. She's a Scorpio, which means okay. she's a hectic bitch. Oh, is that what that means? You're going to have to teach me here. Yeah. Okay. Like my um, understanding of the, my knowledge and understanding of the um, astrological forms is not as good as. Um, <laughs> Literally everyone else in Melbourne and the world. Yeah. As, not as good as most, but I know I know <laughs> I've like I know enough to say what some of this is. I know like Shit. I know like four know star nothing. signs. I know Scorpio; they're the hec- like the most hectic. I know Gemini okay. are sort of the second most hectic, and also they're supposed to be fun. Virgo are really organized. Are you cut out there? Oh, which one? What I cut That's out? That's me. For? Oh, Scorpio, hectic Gemini, or what? 
they're like the second most hectic and they're also like yeah. very fun and creative. Hence the meme, not all Geminis, is that? Yeah, is that I follow stuck? that account, yeah. not all Geminis. They're funny. But uh-huh. I, but they're funny in that way that like, uh-huh, I know this would be funny if I knew what these were. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or, or if you use that as the lens through which you saw all of life. Yes, exactly. Then there's Virgo yeah. who are like very ambitious and um, like ordered and organized. That's me. That's you. Um, and then there's um, Cancer. That's me. Oh, also my father. Excessively emotional, loyal. Um, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, always like okay. melancholy. You obviously know, know most about cancer. Yes. Okay, yeah, it also sounds like me. This is and the problem. Um, Pisces are just like chaotic and emotional. Okay. And dreamy. Ooh. And I don't really know much about the other ones. So, I think Leos are supposed to be very good at leadership and Libras are very attention-seeking maybe. Oh, okay. But we're going to um, – I'm, but then you're I'm talking, definitely getting this wrong now. Um, yeah, I mean I dare say that w- w- when do people get this right? But, um, <laughs> okay, so uh, – <laughs> but moving on. So, um, Alana cancelled. <laughs> so no. her son is in Scorpio. I mean, I, I went through all these for a reason. Her son is in Scorpio. Her moon is in Pisces. Her Venus is in Libra. And the re- and the reason I've mentioned that placement rather than any other because her Venus the is Venus in Libra. Has what to is do Venus with, in Libra? The Venus has to do with lo- uh, the way people love. So are you talking about rising? No, no, no. We don't know her rising because we don't know what time she was born. So you can't work so out. So what's her Venus? I've not. What is her Venus? Do you well? I've never do you not know how thing. like the zodiac, like this, the sort of like ancient scientific basis of the zodiac is right? That it where you it's oh, it depends you know on what? your position. I am just. I'm going to have to tell you this I mean, now. I, no, I. You don't understand. Literally, countless people have explained this to me, and no, it no. goes in one ear and out the other. Like I understand that there are like lots of details and lots of no. Forget the details. Let me see if this one sticks. Where you were born. Oh, Sam, you're going to mansplain astrology to me now. Yes, I'm going to do it. This is mansplaining astrology with Sam and Alana. Your hands are like close up to the camera doing like a mansplaining thing. Yes, and I'm about to feign exasperation as well if you don't listen. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. So where you're born from that position the sun obscures a certain um, segment of the sky so that where you are, right, if you looked at the sun, you wouldn't be able to see past it to, to various constellations okay. of stars, right? Yes. That segment that is obscured by the sun is the one after which you're named. That's it. All right. Seems arbitrary. Sure, go on. Of course it's arbitrary, but it's it's based on something that one might like prim- like an, uh, um an, a pre-scientific human being might think to be significant. But anyway, the um so the sun is obscuring Virgo for you. Mm. 
right? Mm-hmm. So for and that's why you're a Virgo. My son is a Virgo. Yes, exactly. And that's your main yeah. sign, right? So the sun is sort of your true self, so to speak. The moon is sort of your subjective experience of yourself, like how you feel inside. And your rising sign, which we don't know for Sophie, but I guess somebody else could speculate for, somebody who knows more could speculate for us. Her rising sign would be what she, the persona, her outer projection okay. of herself, what she presents to others. Okay, right? Okay. So, so now you know why I'm quoting a sun, a moon, and a Venus, right? Because in, when she was born, the sun obscured the constellation Scorpio. The moon obscured the constellation Pisces. And the Venus obscured the constellation Libra. Uh-huh. Do you follow? Yeah, what's my Venus? Um, I don't know. I did do you before we came on air, but um, I've closed it already. We, okay. We so can what do this Venus... and we can let the listeners know another time. Okay, what does Venus symbolize in the personality? Love. Approach this is to how love. you love. How you love, yes. Oh, I need to know my Venus stat. Okay, well, you could research that while I tell you about what um, – so yep, yep, yep. Scorpios, right? For Sophie. Yeah. They're, uh, I'm going to quote now. Scorpios are fully serious in their strive to learn about others. Wow, that's not a good sentence. When they speak, <laughs> there's no fluff. <laughs> These oh, people God, okay. get straight to the point with essential questions <laughs> to reveal the secrets within. Scorpio is associated with beginnings and endings. Okay, that sounds like me. I think the thing is that they all sound like everybody. <laughs> oh, this is the point. Oh, oh, my God, Alana. Scorpio is associated with beginnings and endings, and they like both. Uh-huh. Endings. She likes them. <laughs> okay, but also beginnings. Yeah, well, she has to be born again. Yeah. You've got to die to be born again. Okay, they go I through can- life in black and white. Gray is rare. Scorpios are extremely curious people, which makes them great investigators. Yes, she lived a curious life, I would say. With their keen sense of intuition, people born under this sign love to probe to get to the bottom of things. Now, let's talk about her Pisces moon. Or did anything catch Uh you there? Um, Catch me there with Sun Scorpio. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean... It seems like she's interested in people and what I've seen from her on the show is that she's quite real and there isn't a lot of fluff to her. It's part of the reason that I enjoy watching her so much, why I have a genuine liking for her. Yeah. So anyway, maybe that's all I've picked up from that. Yeah, there's no fluff. It's She's really no. not been a focus of the five episodes we've watched though. No. No, it's unfortunate. I think she's about to become an, a, a focus but... I think so. Yeah, but because she hasn't, she's been relatively solid with Tom. We yeah. haven't really watched her be exposed to stress or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, she's foreshadowed her bisexual relationship, which we know is coming up, by the way, listeners. So things are about to get juicier, a little more hectic. Hectic Definitely. bitch, I think was. She's the term about to use. leave Tom and couple up with a um, a, a swimwear model. Uh, 
slash model. <laughs> Wait, what did you say? You broke, you cut out again. Uh, swimwear model slash model. I don't yes. know. They always seem to have like, yeah, two. Yeah. two swimwear model two slash impro- digital model. <laughs> so mm. what, it, what? Okay, so moon. Okay, Pisces moon. As far yeah. as I take it, it's a, it's the subjective experience, one's experience of themselves yes, so internally. She, Pisces moon is one of the most sensitive and caring signs of the zodiac. They are dreamy, romantic, intuitive, creative, and highly compassionate. This sign. I believe Sophie is that. Sorry, go on. I believe it too. Mm. I am also, by the way, I have a Pisces moon. Oh, I think all of those things are true about you too, Sam. Oh, that's the sweetest thing you could have said. Oh. <laughs> This I'm showing has- faith in your in, <laughs> in your oh, no, zodiac chart. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, Am I? No, no. It's you're good now. You're good. I don't know why this okay. is happening. The 4G is really fucking us. Um, this sign oh, has a highly attuned sense for the hidden energies of life. It is really easy for them to pick up on the feelings of others. Their natural intuition allows them to sense the mood or atmosphere of a situation without the expression of words. However, Pisces moons can be quite impressionable. They are easily influenced by the moods of others and may often feel overwhelmed because of this. Hmm. All right, now let's go to her Venus, right? Because that's the thing about loving and this is Love Island. Libra Venus people are most content when they're dating someone. They are impressionable to people around them and may change who they are to be what someone else wants them to be. This sign may lose their sense of self if they focus too much on their partner's views. They may be clingy and keep track of little details. Yeah, tell me about Libra Venus people. So they're most content when they're dating someone. They're impressionable Mm -hmm. to people around them and may change who they are to be what someone else wants them to be. This Mm -hmm. sign may lose their sense of self if they focus too much on their partner's views. They may be clingy and keep track of little details. We haven't seen that yet. No. Um, but she's certainly inspired clinginess in Tom, so I think that it's yep. possible that, that like the converse exists in her. Okay. Though Possibly. A, yeah, go ahead. Or, or, that she, or that she's not actually romantically like attached to Tom. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yes, like a less particular point, that that would be any guy's response to when he was attached and she wasn't or something like that. Yeah, or I mean that perhaps the her Libra Venus is true, but that only happens when she's genuinely attached to someone romantically. Oh, uh, yeah, that's and the, true. the truth is that she's not actually that interested in Tom. Danny Cipriani, come on the pod, confirm for us yep. what she was like. Okay, though yep. alluring and caring, they may compromise too much of themselves. Libra Venus natives are polite, sociable, friendly, and attractive to others. All true. Yes. Yes. They constantly search for partnerships and crave intellectual stimulation. They may fall for people quickly, which may result in them being in partnerships with the wrong people. This Mm -hmm. sign may get worn out if they put too much effort into pleasing others and making them comfortable. So Mm -hmm. I thought that that um, stuff about the Libra the Libra-style Venus people. Yeah. Fits pretty well with her. Like she's had a lot of um, a lot of very intense relationships. And I think like next episode or an episode, we're going to have to go through all the relationships we know of because she's had a lot of like um, public 
relationships that have seemed to be intense and there's a lot of... Is that true? Yes. There is one article I saw which just lists her relationships. Oh, yes, but I mean an article in the sun.uk is... Yeah, oh, no, that's highly... No, that's probably true, an accurate representation of her personal life. Reputable. Yeah, it's true. Um, Wait, where did I find it? Um, Sophie Grodin's tragic love life from Love Island hurt to finding... Oh, my God. ...to finding the one weeks before death. R.I.P. Sophie. And oh, I mean, laying any claim to truth in this article is offensive to you and Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, the point is she did actually claim. <laughs> yes, I won't I won't deny that. But she did, <laughs> she did claim that she'd found the one. She told her mum she'd found the one a few weeks before oh, yes. she killed herself. And what I thought was, in, you know, was interesting to contemplate because it seems like that might not be the case, you know, that she hadn't in fact found the one, that maybe she'd said well, that about a lot of people. Yes. But I thought yes. What, what might be interesting to contemplate is that she actually had found the one, as in she'd found the thing that she was looking for and that that led to her death. Because the search was no longer there? Yeah, something is that what like you that. Mean? But, yeah, well, I, I think I'm speaking to people's experience. Mm-hmm. And all of this to say something about Sophie and the time of her death, which is that her mother oh. said... <laughs> her mother said... Um, that she'd found the one. Like, so So, what do you mean? If well, don't you think Sophie she had... might have found it? She might have actually, it, let's, I'm saying, I start from where, I, from the how this whole thing started, which was, wouldn't it be fun to contemplate that that is actually the truth, that she had found the one, she'd found the thing she was looking for forever. And it was Aaron Armstrong, 25, and a boat And captain. there is simply... And there is simply nowhere to go from there. No, and just like Ahab, she had to go down with the ship. Yeah, because that was it. She'd found it. She got it. And there's nothing. There's nothing more to be attracted to. So, are you saying that um, she's in this impossible position where she would either have to give up the thing she'd been looking for forever, or have okay, it, Sam? So, have it so be, in people's well, let me finish. Or have him. <laughs> And be obliterated as a subject, and she's stuck between either giving it up or having it and die, and like um, I don't know, being nothing. So therefore, she had to die because you become nothing when dusting is attained. Yes, something bad so, would happen. I mean, it's, so it's not allowed to happen by the subject ordinarily. And so that really is the the true definition of tragic, like. Which is reminding me of something we were speaking about earlier that uh, to attain what one is striving for in one's life is is what necessarily kills you. Well, in this case, yeah. And I, I think Sophie's character, you know, those headlines, there's some truth in it, possibly that she had this, you know, as they put it, a string of failed, tragic relationships. Um, but in in fact, that was, I think maybe the only the closest thing and the only way she knew how to experience love, and the lack of love, 
And then when she found it was with this guy. Short, intense relationships. Um, yeah, short, intense, um, unfulfilling, mm. failed. Mm. Well, or over-fulfilling. We really need to get Danny Cipriani on here. Yeah, it's an it's a really interesting it's a really interesting way to think about it because I think like if you think about I mean this is so sad if you try and think about what the experience of Sophie Graydon's mother is in looking at this situation and at least this soundbite that she gave to the media of I don't understand she seemed so happy finally she seemed so happy mm. uh, with this man. Um, she also said in that same interview that they had an emotional and intense relationship. Well, there you go. Yeah. It, it, I'm sorry, it doesn't, it doesn't sound much different to her previous relationships. And also I don't believe anything that her mother is saying to the media. I don't believe that her mother would know what her experience was in that relationship or in any previous relationship. Oh, I'd very much like to know what the relationship was like with the mother. That's for sure. I mean, I would absolutely love to know. Mm. But, but obviously she was, she was uh, unless she was lying for some reason, she was under the impression that Sophie had found something unlike her other relationships in this man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But again... It's it's also post hoc because she, she knows that she knows her daughter's dead at this stage. So what she's saying is coloured by the fact that she's died, and she might be driven to place greater significance on the relationship or whatever. So like like from more of a Freudian perspective than a Lacanian perspective, I suppose in more of a traditional sense, to me, it would seem reasonable to speculate that had she found had she found happiness, um, some kind of level of fulfilment or peace with this guy, Aaron Armstrong, that she hadn't found before, that that was in part a reason for her killing herself because she, as a melancholic, didn't feel entitled to that pleasure. Mm. So I think there there may have been like a a deep discomfort in finding joy or finding what she thinks she may have been searching for. Because she doesn't think that she deserves it. Yes, possibly, hmm. yeah. I wish we had some some like childhood and adolescent I mean, at, experiences at this point, here so we could theorise as to why that was. Exactly, and I wish that I knew what the relationship was between her father and mother yeah. at this point to know. Anybody who has her... some references that we've missed, please hit us up. Um, but let's talk about Aaron Armstrong briefly because... <laughs> Woo! Whoa. Yeah, they happen like that sometimes. Um because it wouldn't i mean it'd be nice to know at least a little bit about what's so spe- yeah what's so special about this guy that he made her kill herself i guess i'm moving now from the danny did it theory to the aaron did it theory yeah or uh, another thing i noticed is that um, cuz you said this to me last week and i didn't believe it or i hadn't i had I, it surprised me and then when i read it again this week it surprised me again so i have some block to accepting this but that 
10 days after Sophie killed herself, Aaron killed himself. Yes. Right? And then another thing I noticed is that the coroner in Aaron's case, Aaron Armstrong being his name, the coroner's name was Eric Armstrong in a small town outside of Newcastle. I wonder if it's like his brother or his dad that was the coroner. Another thing, Mr. Armstrong, having consumed alcohol and cocaine, took his own life by hanging. Yes, I know. But same way as all of them. (laughs) Same way as as Sophie, same way as Mike Thassilidis, and same way as Carolyn Flack. Look, I... Can I just go back to this, I, like, another possible, like, is it not possible that she found everything that she w- was sort of cognizant of w- longing for mm. in her in her life of striving for this happy relationship mm. that is just an illusion really mm. and then got there and still felt suicidal and that is enough to top you? Well, yeah. I'm not sure that they're they're different concepts. Yes. I think But I don't I I don't think she entered into this blissful oblivion and then was like, well, that's it. I think she was like this it's not it's (laughs) it's only notionally blissful. It might have it's like um it's more oblivion than it is bliss, put it that way. Yes. Yeah, it's 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 meta bliss. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But but for for someone like Sophie to have acquired what she thought might answer her problems, and then to have acquired it and to find that that isn't the case, mm. um, and to have and to have your own mother telling you that you'd found the one. Yeah. And this seemed to be this. This is what will you know? This is what you've been looking for. Mm. Isn't this the thing? That aren't you we'll happy sort of, now? Aren't you happy now? You've got the man that you've always wanted, and he loves you. Yeah. I mean, that's that. That is yeah. That is not a blissful oblivion. I'm not a non-believer when it comes to astrology. This is my disclaimer for my wider community. I'm just a, an agnostic. I I don't know. Either way, I don't know. Mm. So I don't make a cla- you know, but I also think it's very interesting that as a but psychoanalytic do you, do you get psychiatrist from delving into it. I get enjoyment um actually I was talking to someone recently about this and the enjoyment that I get I get enjoyment like everyone else does because to 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 encounter something that is describing yourself to you is very appealing. And I think that there is a lot of confirmation bias, obviously, and the pleasure that I take from astrology, I think, is sort of indirect. There are so many people that I encounter who love it and really want to engage with me about it. And they're like, oh, what star sign are you? What star sign are you, Alana? And I'll tell them I'm a Virgo. And they'll go, yes, yes, that makes so much sense. It does. And then I'll say, well, well," and they'll say like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, and then, I, and then the joy for me is saying, oh, why is that? Like, tell, I don't really know much about it. Tell me. And then this person, whether or not they're aware of it, just proceeds to tell me what they think of me, 
what a like what an interesting and and like direct source of information True, I can get not a, not about myself from a like cosmic sense I, I just get to hear from people uncensored how they're apprehending me yeah it's weird okay well in that sense it serves i mean i know we've made reference to this paper already but in that sense it serves a similar purpose to negation right because it's like right yeah because it lets them say things that might be hard to say otherwise by prefacing it with the the fact that it's to do with astrology so it's like oh i'll admit this into our discourse without fully committing to it because it's astrology saying it not me exactly yeah because it's speculative or it's universalized or it's cosmic and therefore I'm not making a direct judgment on who you are as an individual. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly that. It's like, I'm not saying you're this, but let me tell you what you are. Yeah, but actually, you know, the canon says that you are this. Yeah. And, in fact, this is what I've picked up. And that is where that is where astrology is useful to me in my life, just in those interactional well, that's why you need. To, that's why you and I both need to learn more about astrology, so that we can use it in that way to tell people what we really think. I'm not interested in that being the vehicle through which I tell people <laughs> what I think of them. But I think it has pros and cons. Sheep hat. Yeah, I let the hat do the talking. <laughs> Well, I think astrology, I mean, there's a lot to say um, on that one. But it has, I think there are dangers. There's, It's like a wonderful all interaction and all discourse and all language between people is a game. And I think astrology is just like another level, another chapter in that game of interacting. And I think, so I don't necessarily think it's sinister, mm. but I do think it becomes a bit dangerous when... Um, you know, when the placebo effect comes into play or when people relegate responsibility onto their star signs. And I see it all the time. Yeah. And I think it's quite dangerous. Yeah, I, I've always I always oscillate between thinking, oh yeah, it's a tool for abdicating responsibility to the stars and therefore it's uh, reactionary and a tool yeah. for passivity and maintenance yes. of the status quo. Uh, but then, yes. I, and then, and then the other pole of my oscillation is well, but people will always find something to use in that place. Like, exactly, there's always a tool that can be used to maintain the status quo, and language has many and diverse ways of helping people do nothing. So I don't think this is worse than them, you know. Exactly. But, but um, or finding meaning, like you know, it is yeah. a, like a collection of words put together in a particular way that makes that helps people make sense of the world. And themselves, and nothing else is anything more than that. Mm. But um, well, as always, I know, think that making sense is is a fine bit of fun, but nothing very much makes sense. So if we get too hung up on making sense of things, we're getting hung up on the wrong thing. And totally, and you know, and like with the tarot, I think tarot is probably better than this than us, better at this than astrology, but. As long as any of these discursive tools are being used to open the question rather than close it, then we're I fine. I completely agree. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, open the questioning. Yes, yes, exactly. I would agree with that. Should we close the questioning there? Let's close the questioning. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
well, I guess we'll talk a little bit about episode five next week. Thank you very much for listening. We will. We're also going to listen. Um, we're also going to talk talk a little bit about beauty pageants and what they mean. Yep. Okay. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. See you then. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to be my mommies. Won't you just show me? And I know, and I know. I want to know me.